At the end of our service this morning, for those of you that do not know, um, our preschool children from Kingdom Kids Academy, our church's preschool, will be uh, will be singing, have a little program right at the end um, of the ser- service after the message and all that good stuff. And um, this particular morning, my son, Cannon, who is four, will be a part um, of that. So I'm going to be preaching with a little more anxiety this morning. That If, if I seem a little more anxious this morning, he, uh, he had... He has an entertainment gene in him that he did not get from me, but um, so we are. Uh, but we're we're crossing our fingers this morning that he'll be on his best behavior. But um, the thing I've noticed with Cannon, he's been uh, in the preschool now for a couple of since last year, and um, is even at this early age, you know, four years old, three years old, uh, they're already making friends. Um, it's like it's this kind of this natural thing. They gravitate towards certain kids. Certain kids, gravitate, you know, he comes home talking about two or three kids that are his 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 friends. Um, he, sometimes it's his, his girlfriends, which is funny because uh, to him he's just specifying right the the boy versus girl and all that sort of stuff. And it's, it's amazing just how quickly that begins to happen. And you just kind of hope, and we're all probably hoping that this morning that your kid's the kind of kid that's like the good friend and not the, doesn't grow up to be the friend that you know other parents warned. Kids about right, and so that's all. That's like that's like success, right? That's what we're aiming for, uh, because we know friendship is a tricky thing, and that's the topic we're going to be dealing with this morning. It's a tricky thing because it's rife with potential for for good and for bad, right? You've heard the old quote before: "Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future." Um, that's a pretty biblical concept, actually. We're going to see this morning. It's a very true concept. Most of my childhood memories um, are tied friendships, uh, relationships, even within my family, cousins or my sister or friends at school or at the ball field and things of that nature. And I think back on the, the funniest stories, the craziest stories, the greatest moments, the biggest victories and the worst times all have people and friendships and relationships attached to them that I cannot shake. And the reason that is, is because we are just naturally relational. You say, well, I'm not relational. I'm more task-oriented. No, we're, I'm not talking about like your personality type. We're, we're all wired in such a way as that we need relationships. Uh, some people like relationships more than others, but everybody needs relationships and community. And yes, friendship. And so in this series that we're in in Proverbs called Uncommon Sense, we're talking about wisdom and applying it in various areas in life. And Proverbs is a book that deals with just tons of topics and shows you how to apply wisdom because wisdom is not common sense, but it is an uncommon sense. It's, it's not less than common sense. It's a lot more than that. Um, but it's this idea of being able to navigate life with, with the skill of godly living, as they say. Being able to take God's truth and to apply it, not even in just the black and white areas like where you're like, I've got a verse for that, but even in the places where you're like, I don't have a verse for that. And being able to figure out what the thing to do would be to, to do that would be that would please God the most in that circumstance, even when it's most difficult. And sometimes those things come up, obviously, in friendships. And so Proverbs deals a lot with friendship. And our key verse this morning is Proverbs 18.24. We're going to look at several verses. They're going to be on the screen for you. Uh, Proverbs is just kind of that book. It's a very topical book. And in Proverbs 18.24, and a proverb is just a short pithy statement that is generally true. It's not that some of the Proverbs aren't always true. It's just that in general, some of them are general statements that are generally true most of the time, right? It's, it's about the rule, not the exception. And Proverbs 18.24 is a proverb that you may or may not be familiar with. Let me read it to you. It says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. 
A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We see this whole paradox of friendship right there in that verse. See, you and I were created for connection. We're made for community. In Genesis 1 and 2, where the Bible explains to us how humanity came into being with the first people and Adam and Eve, we learn from that story how God has wired us because after God made Adam, He says these words, before Eve makes Eve, He says, it's not good that man should be alone. We're made for relationship. We're made for community. And we're actually made, the Bible says, in the image of God. We call that the doctrine of the Imago Dei, the image of God, that every person is valuable and has intrinsic worth and dignity and value simply because God made them and He made them in His image. He made them in a sense to resemble Him in some ways and in a sense to, to reflect Him in some ways and to basically represent Him as His stewards on earth. That's why humanity's here. To steward the world and the earth and our resources in a way that honors and shows glory unto God. And we learned that in the Bible that God is a trinity. A trinity. You've heard of the doctrine of the trinity. He, he's always existed. He's one God, always existed in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And within the Trinity, God exists in perfect community, in perfect love, and in perfect friendship. And so we're made in His image, so we're made in such a way as that we're made for community. But we need that through connection with God and connection with others. If you travel on in Genesis, you'll learn that the first humans sinned. Their relationship with God was broken. Their friendship with God, if you will, was broken. And even their relationship with others was messed up. There's actually this picture in Genesis of God walking through the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day, and He's calling out for Adam after he has sinned. And it seems to be pointing us to the idea that this wasn't unusual. It wasn't unusual for God to, to walk through the garden in the cool of the day, that image there. What was unusual is that He was having to look for Adam. That, may, that maybe in a normal day that God would have been communing with Adam at that time, but it's, it's wanting us to see this picture of the, the relationship being severed as Adam and Eve hide in fear. Sin severs our friendship with God and it severs our relationships with others. After Adam, the only two people in the Old Testament referred to as friends of God are Abraham and Moses. Second Chronicles 27 tells us that Abraham there is a, he's referred to as a God's friend. Remember, it's Abraham that God chose to make a great nation. From that we get the nation Israel. We see a picture of what God wants for us through his relationship with Abraham. We see him selecting Abraham to have a relationship with him and to represent him on the earth and to live on mission. And then Moses comes along in Exodus 33.11 and Exodus 33.11 points out how God spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. That's the only two times in the Old Testament that we see out of all the people, all the characters, David, you name it, all the great heroes, two people are referred to as God's friend. Moses, in more of a kind of a sidestepped way, he's referred to as communing with God like a friend and Abraham actually called the friend of God. But they show us that it's possible for us to have friendship with God and actual relationship. And the good news of the gospel is that Christ has come to reconcile to us to God and in Christ we can once again be friends with God. At its core, Christianity is about being in a right relationship with God and rightly relating to Him. Knowing Him, trusting Him, walking with Him, obeying Him. And when our relationship with God is healed through Christ... We can better relate to others. We begin to pursue God's design for our lives because we're back in right relationship with God. So we want what God wants. And so we begin to recover and pursue that. And part of that is in right, being in right relationship with others, living in community with people, particularly God's people, and pursuing healthy friendships.
And so in the church, as we gather this morning as, as a church, you have a picture of this is God's people gathered to worship Him this morning. And in a sense, this is a place to know and a place to be known. A place to come to worship God together, but also a place to live in community, to love and be loved, to build relationships that ultimately we believe in Christ lasts for all of eternity. See, and the book of Proverbs comes in here and it tells us, you know, here's how you live wisely. Here's how to apply the skill of godly living to various areas. Here's how to pursue God's design in every area, including friendship. So if you're a Christian this morning, you've been reconciled to God, and you're wanting to pursue right relationship with others and also healthy friendships, Proverbs is a book that helps us navigate that. It's written like a father to a son trying to help him, instruct him on how to live a wise life. And the particular proverb we read, Proverbs 18.24, points out this precarious nature of friendship, that it's possible to have shallow, unhelpful friendships that Proverbs 18.24 calls companions, right? These are friends in quotation marks. Friends that are there with you when things are good, but that may desert you when things are bad. He says you can have friends, quote-unquote, and a lot of them, but if it's not healthy friendships, if it's not good friendships, you may come to ruin. In fact, we'll see here in a little bit, it may lead you into ruin. But the next part of the verse shows us healthy, deep, rich friendship is possible. He says, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. But it's possible to have good relationships, healthy friendships. But friendship can go either way, so we need to know how to, how to wisely view it and pursue it. So let me give you three principles from Proverbs. Number one, true friendship is valuable. And we need to view it that way. We, we need to treat it as a, as a precious treasure, not something we really get over here. We tend to stop talk, talking about, thinking about, and even actively pursuing friendships, particularly men, after about, I don't know, fifth grade. Uh, at some point, men just kind of like, we've got our friends, and if, if many, many, but even, even myself, I can tell you, my closest friends, most of them I've known for at least 15 years, some for as close to 20 years, and these are people I still talk with on a weekly basis. But men tend to only pursue friendships within the relationships they have with their, their wife. That's just kind of a, a statistical thing that happens. Um, tend to get more and more closed off and just don't begin to pursue. They have companionship, right? People we golf with, who we hang out with from time to time, watch a ball game with. But not necessarily people you're going to like, you know, share a serious moment with where you're like, I need help in this area or I'm struggling in this area or I need accountability in this area or there's a problem in this area. So we need to learn, all of us do, to value, to deeply value friendship. How, in a world that's broken and in a world where you can have a lot of companions and suffer harm, how valuable would a friend be that sticks closer than a brother? In a fallen, broken world full of people who will lie about you and cheat and gossip and backstab and step on you and step over you, how valuable is true, lasting friendship? C.S. Lewis, um, who wrote a book called The Four Loves, and in that he talks about friendship, distinguished companions from friends this way. He said companions are like those that chat at the golf club together, right? And they'll go play a round of golf. But friendship begins with a different question. He says, friendship begins when we ask, quote, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. In other words, what Lewis is saying is true friendship is more than having things in common, but it may blossom from there and be forged in trial and celebration, but it's when we come together around something more significant than just activities we like to do. Lewis goes on to say that you, you can't actually find friendship while you're looking for friendship. That if you set out to find a friend, you're sure to not find one. That you have to have something else to bring to the table. Lewis writes that friends many times are formed as they see and care about the same truth. That they have to have something more in common than simply a desire for friendship. 
As Lewis writes, quote, those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere cannot have fellow travelers. So he says it's all, it's when we begin to see the same truth. So for instance, in a situation like church where people come together and they're like, okay, I believe the Bible's God's Word. I believe my values come from this book. Your values come from this book. We, we both believe Jesus is King. We both believe He's Son of God, that He's coming back, that He died for our sins, that He rose again. And so there's this truth there that you see that goes beyond playing 18 holes together or goes beyond shopping together or goes beyond just hanging out for coffee together or your friends having a play date together. It's deeper than that. And when those things all begin to mix together, real friendship can be born according to Lewis. So we need companions, but we need more. We need true friends. People that show us that we're not the only ones. People that travel the road of life with us. But it's rare. Listen to what Proverbs 26 says. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 6 says this. It's on the screen. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. In other words, it's hard to know what people's true motives are because there's a lot of people that will talk a good game and they'll really puff you up and pat you on the back and tell you you're great, but it's really hard to know if, they're, if, if they mean it. Many people say they mean well, say they love you, say they want what's best for others, but how do you really know? And the next verse in Proverbs goes on to say that it's the righteous who walk in integrity. In other words, in a world where people are shady and selfish and self-interested and downright mean sometimes, faithfulness and integrity is highly valuable. And as the proverb seems to be stating, rare. A faithful man who can find. See, true friendship has to be rooted in trust. People having good intentions toward one another and being able to trust that. You can't use someone and be their friend. Friendship's not ultimately about getting but about giving when it's genuine and when it's real. Proverbs 17 verse 17. Proverbs 17 verse 17 says this, A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. See, a true friend, genuine friendship, in a world where you make mistakes, in a world where people lose jobs and get sick and experience tragedy, genuine friendship's about Loving at all times, even in the hard times. Like a brother being born for adversity in thick and in thin. It's true friendship. It's true brotherhood. It's not rooted in circumstance. It's rooted in a genuine love for one another. One of the best pictures of friendship in the Bible is that between King David and a guy named Jonathan. If you're not familiar with the story, before David was king, David was a shepherd. And then after David was a shepherd, he ends up in Saul, who was king at the time, the first king of Israel. He ends up in Saul's army. And David turns out to be quite a mighty warrior. And he's the guy that, you know, he slays Goliath when everybody else is afraid of him. And he begins to go out and lead troops and, and defeat people. And meanwhile, Saul has deeply offended God and rebelled against God. And God has decided to strip Saul's kingdom away from him and to give it to someone else. And lo and behold, the person he's going to give it to is David. Funny thing is, Saul has a son named Jonathan who's in line to be king. And when you're reading the narrative in the Old Testament, it's so strange to see Jonathan become David's best friend. And he's okay with the fact that David seems to be the one with all the momentum and seems to be the one God has chosen to be king. And he even risks everything, obviously his future kingdom, and ultimately even risks the fact of going against his father who's trying to murder David out of jealousy and incurring the wrath of his father. It's, it's a picture in the Old Testament of genuine, loyal friendship. Something many times that's lost on us today. I'm willing to bet that some people here this morning have experienced at one time or another loyal, faithful, loving friendship. You know what it's like to have someone stay with you and others turn away from you. What it's like to have someone put your best interest to heart. To stick with you even when you messed up. 
It's also possible some of us have been burned. Have been burned by someone that was supposed to be our friends. We suffered harm and now we've closed ourselves off and you don't really have close friends outside of your spouse. For some of us, maybe we're not even close with our spouse. Listen, but you gotta, we've got to learn, we've got to realize, the Bible wants us to understand, we can't do life on an island. We've got to learn to see and value friendship. Yeah, there's risk involved, but it's a risk we're going to have to be willing to take if we're going to live a healthy, holistic life. When you have a true friend, you gain better counsel. You gain valuable counsel. Listen to Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Verses 9 and 10 of Proverbs 27 says this, Oil and perfume make, their, make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend. Do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. The first parts of those Proverbs 5 and 6 and verse 9 are showing us that there is this the sweetness to the earnest, honest counsel of a friend. The advice and input of someone that you can trust, in other words, adds, adds a sweetness to life. You know, the Bible says that there, Proverbs actually says there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. How much so when those counselors are your friends, people you can trust? And also, these Proverbs show us that there's a need that we need to value. We need to value people that can speak truth to us in love even when it hurts. It's better is open rebuke than hidden love. It's better someone that will tell you when you're wrong than someone that won't even really be a real friend and show you how they feel and think. And a, a friend's wounds are faithful even though an enemy's kisses are profuse. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. In other words, someone can have your worst interest at heart and man, tell you great things about yourself all the time. Someone else can have your best interest at heart and have to speak hard words to you, but they're faithful wounds. We need people all out that speak truth to us. As one person put it, there's a difference in harmful words and words that hurt. There are sometimes words that you will hear and they will hurt and they will be painful, but you needed to hear it. That's not the same as harmful. Harmful means that they are detrimental to you and that ultimately, even in the here and now or for eternity, they're, they're bad for you. They're steering you wrong. But there's other words that you can speak to someone who may hurt in the moment, might feel a little bit like salt on an open wound, but it, it needs to be done and it needs to be said. It needs to be spoken with grace and with love, but the truth has to be shared. When I seek advice and personal direction personally in life, I have two main rules. Now, I'm not talking about like if you're trying to figure out what to do with you know, certain little financial decisions like you know, stock or something like that or retirement plans. But I'm talking about like life-altering decisions about your family, about your goals, about your, your career. Big decisions. I have two main rules, rules as a Christian, as a believer this morning. The first one is, do they love Jesus and His Word? Right? I want to know that they, they, they are building their life on the same foundation I am, that they see the world that I do, that they, that they understand truth like I do, that, that at the end of the day, that what matters most for all of eternity, we agree on. And that their value system is coming from the same place that mine is, because I build mine off God's Word. So that's the first rule. If, I, if they're going to give me direction on what I should do with my life, or how I can be a better dad, or how I can be a better... Husband, I, 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 in, a, in a big decision that's coming up or something like that, I, I want to know that they love Jesus and His Word. But secondly, I want to know they love me. <laughs> I want to know they love me. I don't want them to just be someone that plays the Christian game. I want them to be someone that, that, I, that I know that they love me, that they have my best interest at heart. They're not looking to manipulate me. I'm not worried about them trying to get an angle on me. 
doing what's in their best interest. I want to know that they, that they love me. And there's other things depending on situations that you have to apply. But those are just two, two deal breakers. This is why a friend's counsel is so sweet. That you can have friends that love Jesus, particularly if you're a believer this morning, and that love you, and they make life sweeter as they help you navigate difficult waters because you know they have your best interest at heart, and more importantly, you know they have God's interest at heart. So friendship is valuable. We need to value that because we need to value that counsel and that direction that comes from that and the sweetness of friendship. Secondly, we need to know another big principle from Proverbs. Second principle is this. All friendship is transformational. All friendship is transformational. You can be better or worse depending on your friends. Right? I said at the beginning, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Relationships are just this way. They're all relationships are transformational. They begin to shape and they begin to mold you. Proverbs makes it clear. Friendships can make you better or they can make you worse. C.S. Lewis said it this way. Friendship can be a school of virtue or a school of vice. Let me give you some ways. First of all, the school of vice. Proverbs 13.20 that we read earlier, the second part of it was what? The companion of fools will suffer harm. So if, you, if your closest friends are foolish, you're going to suffer for it. Friendship with the wrong people can ruin you. And by friendship, I mean allowing them to speak into your life, to help you make major decisions. People that you allow to invest in you, not just people you're investing in. Not just people you're engaging with. Not just your neighbors, acquaintances. People that you're kind of buddies with. I'm talking about people that you, that, I mean really, the people that you count on one hand. These are the people that you let, let help guide and give advice and seek their counsel. And when things fall apart, these are the people that you lean on. If it's the wrong people, it leads to ruin. Listen to Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22 verses 24 and 25 says this, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. See, we're warned against friendship with an angry man. They're not someone that lost their temper today, but someone who's just given over to anger. You know the type. They're angry about everything. They're bitter about everything. Every day's a bad day, right? You kind of walk on eggshells around them. It says, listen, don't be friends with them. Don't allow that person to rub off on you and to invest in your life because at the end of that, you will learn their ways. And the bigger principle at work is this, Whoever your friends are, you always learn their ways. That's the principle. That's the rule. I think back to high school. And, and for those of y'all that are still in high school, you can think like back to Friday. Um, but I think back to high school and I think about you know, the, how the jock types, the band people, the smart people, the popular people, whatever category you want to put people in, they tended to run together. There are places where those lines were crossed, but you tended to, they tended to run together. And then I think about the lunchroom, you know, and when I was in school, like you go in the lunchroom and you, the whole social scene was there, right? That was everything. We didn't have social media back then. That was the only social media we had, right? And so you go in the lunchroom and you knew who was cool, who wasn't cool, who, who was annoying, who wasn't annoying, who people wanted to be friends with, who they didn't, who was on the in, who was on the out. All that sort of stuff was very much on display in the lunchroom. But it wasn't always that way. Maybe you remember like elementary school. And it was different elementary school. I don't even remember those kind of things in elementary school. But somewhere about seventh grade, things start changing, right? I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's puberty or what, but so everything starts changing. Kids get weird, and we we start migrating into different little little groups and little and little um, cliques, and it increases more and more. And something weird happens about that age, seventh grade on, or it did it, it did in my school. You had some kids that ever you know one age everybody's like into Transformers and GI Joe, right? And then those 
And then when they get older, like some kids are like, they go from that to like video games. And some go from that to like, you know, drugs. <laughs> it's like, like they skip like four levels. It's like, what happened, right? It's like one, kid, one, one goes from like, oh, they used to talk too much in class. Remember when that was a thing? They talked too much in class. Another, then they get a little older, maybe they're tardy sometimes for class. Another group goes from talking too much in class to like robbing liquor stores. I don't know what happens, but it happens. And it happens about that age. Things begin to change and it begins to get weird. Like, it, and you're like what happened? Friendship happened. Friendship happened. And people begin to be led and pulled certain ways. And a kid goes astray and he brings two or three along with him. And, and it begins to take effect. And we begin to see this whole walk with the wise become wise. Companion of fools will suffer harm. Learning the ways of your friends. And it, it just goes more and more. We think it ends like in high school, but it doesn't. It still goes on. still goes on. Be careful who you're allowing to vest in your life. Listen, the character of your closest friends matters because it impacts you because you are allowing them to invest in your life. That's what friends do. They're making deposits. Some are depositing anger or lust or greed or selfishness or arrogance or gossip or slander or bitterness or utter worldliness into your life. Whereas others invest wisdom and generosity and, and humility. Some people to continue to struggle with the same sins over and over again. And the reason is they've got the same people making deposits in their life. They can't break hold from a stronghold of lust or greed or whatever because their closest friend is, is greedy. Their closest friend's addicted to things and, and tells them stories that he shouldn't be telling them. And they just continue in this sick cycle of sin because and they like, why, can't, why can't I get free of this? One of the reasons is you're continuing to allow the same people to deposit into your life. But it doesn't have to be that way. Proverbs is telling us, friendship gossip be a school of virtue, as Lewis said. Proverbs 13.20 says, whoever walks with the wise what becomes wise. Becomes wise. You, you can actually become wise. The companion of fools suffers harm. When you surround yourself with wise people, you set yourself up for growth and wisdom. I don't believe, because you're wired for friendship and I'm wired for friendship, because we're wired for community, I don't think we can grow properly, mature properly, and grow in wisdom properly apart from community and friendship. It's the way God's designed us. Spiritual growth happens in community. Proverbs 27 verse 17 says this. I love this verse. Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. There's a sharpening that happens within friendship. And it's not always pleasant. Right? That picture, we think, oh, that's a picture of getting strong. Iron clinging together on iron, that's a, kind of a clamorous, loud, that, could, that sounds like a painful process as well. But it's a sharpening process. It's beneficial and you need to be sharpened by wise people. Well, who's wise? How do I know? How do I make wise friends? Well, Proverbs tells us that wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. People who properly orient their life towards God with Him at the center and they're submitted to Him and they worship Him and they, they understand that He's God and they're not. You need people that know and love God in your life. People that obey God, who know the Bible, who apply the Bible. People that are willing to clang around like iron on iron with Scripture in your life. We need those kinds of friends. I need those kinds of friends. You know, much of what I know about God's Word or how to handle situations, leadership, parenting, marriage, I look back on my life, most of it's been learned in the context of friendship. Not usually at a conference or a book. Usually from a person. Think about Jesus. What did He do? He got 12 guys together and He discipled them for a few years. And that was more than friendship, but it was not less than that. It was not less than that. Because life change for the better happens in the context of relationship and friendship. I'm willing to bet some of us this morning, 
need someone right now. And you're in your mind, you're already thinking, I need someone like that who loves God, who loves the Bible, who, who understands truth, who's willing to speak into my life because you're suffering from a famine of friendship in your life. I believe our culture is just ripe with it. And where's the best place to find those kind of people? Among God's people. Among God's people. Among your church. Whether it's here, whether it's another church. Your church. My lifelong friendships have all been born among God's people. I met my wife Christy while serving in the same ministry as her. My longest friendships today that I still have are all born through ministry or the local church. Every single one of them. Those people that I mentioned earlier that I've been talking to for 15-20 years stay close to. All born through ministry or, or the church. Church is not a place to be invisible. It's not a place to hide. It's not a place to, to kind of slip in and escape. It's supposed to be a place to learn how to walk with the wise. Not because we're all wise. But fortunately for us, God sprinkles some wise people among us. It's a place for iron to sharpen iron. That's why we have small groups, for instance, and things like that. Because we need community and friendships of a particular kind. And if you're not a believer, there's no better way to explore the Christian faith than among God's people. Hanging out with them, listening, asking questions, challenging their answers. Letting iron sharpen iron. True friendship is transformational. All friendship is transformational. There's a third thing. Third big category out of Proverbs. True friendship is possible. And that's the big takeaway from Proverbs 18.24. Hey, there's, it's possible to have all these friends, these companions, these friends in quotation marks and suffer harm, but there is a friend. There is. There really is a friend that sticks closer to a brother. There's a such thing as genuine close friendship that you can rely on. It really is a possibility. Don't give up on it just because you get burned. Just because somebody let you down. But if you want true friendship that is valuable and transformational for the good, not the type that attracts and leads you the wrong way, you need to understand that bad friends don't usually attract good ones. <laughs> this is not the way it works. Fools don't normally attract wise people. They tend, the wise tends to try to walk with the wise and fools tend to run together. So, if we want to achieve this possibility, we've got to be the type of person that is a faithful friend. Be the faithful person of integrity that Proverbs 20 verses 6 and 7 talks about. Be the type of person that loves at all times as Proverbs 17, 17 talks about. Not being fickle. Be the type of person that can lovingly speak truth to others and is willing to as Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 talks about. And now here's one. We need to, I need to, you need to, we need to avoid holding grudges, spreading gossip, running our mouth about people. Listen to Proverbs 17.9. This is how you kill friendship. Proverbs 17.9. Here is the big thing. Proverbs says this twice. Whoever covers an offense seeks love. In other words, if you're the type of person that's willing to let some things go, right? But he who repeats a matter separates close friends. If you're the type of person that always has to repeat something and tell other people about it, undercut somebody else. That's just a way of it's talking about gossip. In another place in chapter 16, it talks about it. The whisperer separates close friends. We can have rich, genuine friendships, but it starts with being that type of friend. But here's the big thing we have to remember. Friendship is God's idea. It's God's idea. Pursuing friendship apart from God's design is like pursuing anything else. It's bound to not turn out well for us. The whole reason friendship is possible, genuine friendship is possible, is because it is God's idea. It's God's design that we live in healthy relationships with one another. It's God's design that we love one another, that we love others. It's also God's design that you not go through life alone, but rather in community, in a part of the community that's rich in friendships. But the most important friendship 
Is that with God? That's the first one we have to understand. That's the main one that's possible. If everyone else leaves you and deserts you, the first friend that sticks closer than a brother that anyone can reach out and have, the Bible tells us is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the heart of the Gospel is that God reconciles us to Himself. That's what He's doing right now. That's what He's doing in Christ. Taking us from being His enemy to His friends. Taking us from being outcasts and aliens, the Bible says, to being a part of His family. He did that with Abraham. He did it with Moses. And if He has it already, He can do it with you. You can know God. We can, have, we can walk in relationship with Him. Listen to the words of Jesus. This is one of my favorite passages on friendship. John 15. It's on the screen for you. John 15, verses 12-15. through 15. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. He's talking to his disciples. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. This is Jesus in some of His last moments with the disciples and He's warning them to see that you're more than my servants, you're my friends. It's a privilege and an honor to be a servant of the Son of God. It was a privilege and an honor all through the Old Testament to be called the servant of God. But Jesus says, I'm going farther, man. You guys, you're my friends. Think about it. All through the Old Testament, all these years of history, only Abraham and Moses, by implication, had been called God's friend. And now Jesus looks at every single one of His followers, those there and now us that follow Him in this, in, in today. And He says, I've called you my friends. Gospel changes everything. And Jesus shows us this picture of the ultimate friend who sticks closer than a brother. He says the greatest show of love is laying down your life for your friends. He says this right before He goes and lays down His life for them. He goes and He dies on the cross for them. The reconciliation needed between God and man, it wasn't God's fault. Adam's sin wasn't God's fault. It was Adam's fault. It's our fault. We've all not not only inherited sin nature from Adam, we've chosen to sin, every single one of us. We need to be reconciled, but it's on us. But God takes the initiative. That's the heart of the Gospel. Even though it's on us, we're incapable, so God comes to us. He sends Jesus, right, to come and to, to bridge the gap and to reconcile us to God. And so Jesus comes and He lives the sinless life Adam didn't live. He lives the sinless life Josh didn't live. He lives the sinless life you didn't live. He lives righteously in our place. But He comes to die, to lay down His life for His friends. The Bible tells us on the cross, as Jesus was betrayed by one of His friends, Judas Iscariot, and He's handed over to His enemies. And these leaders take Him and they crucify Him. That on the cross, that as Jesus hangs there and bleeds and dies, that He does so for our sin. That somehow God treats Jesus like He's a sinner, even though He's sinless, so that He can look at me and you and treat us like we're not sinners, even though we are. Jesus willingly goes and says, I'll take the wrath and the punishment and the judgment they deserve because that's what we deserve. We don't deserve friendship with God. And Jesus dies in our place. And the Bible says three days later, He rises from the dead in victory over sin, death, and hell. And He offers relationship, friendship. He offers us to be in His family to all of us if we'll repent, turn from our sin to God and believe the gospel. Believe in Jesus. Place our faith in Him. And we can be reconciled to God. See, 
When you do that, and if you've done that already, you know Christ and you have a friend that the Bible says you can't shake. Jesus says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. His friendship is one that always molds you towards virtue and not towards vice. In Christ, we can see that we have found one who is faithful, who will always love us, who will walk. We're walking with the ultimate wise one who wants to make us wise, one who the Bible says is the epitome of the wisdom of God. That he will sharpen us. And that listen, here's a really important one. His wounds are always faithful. <laughs> and he has hard words for us sometimes as we read his word. But it's always faithful wounds, always for our good. Let me ask you, do you have that kind of friendship with Christ? It's possible you can have it if you don't. Is Christianity some detached set of beliefs to you, some cold hard facts, a to-do list, some motions that you go through, a liturgy that you read, or is it about a vibrant relationship with a real person? Friendship with God. Being reconciled to Him through Christ. Do you have that? That's Christianity. That's what's real. When Jesus begins to come into your life through faith and He begins to transform you because His friendship is transformational. And you begin to become a different kind of person than you used to be. And you find yourself not liking the things you used to like as much and wanting to do things differently and wanting to live differently and wanting to align your life more with God's design. That's called conversion. That's called salvation. It's more, but it's not less than that. Do you have that? Have you experienced that this morning? And believer, this morning, are you diving into God's people, seeking and valuing genuine friendship? Are you the type of friend that others can count on? Are you pursuing that in Christ this morning? Are there relationships that you're allowing to transform you in the wrong way? Are there faithful wounds that have been placed in your life that you've grown bitter from, but really, looking back, you need to go, you know what? They were right. Friendships you've allowed to be severed that shouldn't have. And it opens up a whole realm of possibilities when we really begin to think about, why does it look like to have healthy friendships, and am I stewarding that area well in my life? Am I doing it wisely? Are you plugged into a local, life-giving church where true friendships are most likely to manifest? That's God's invitation to us this morning.